Good morning, everybody. It's Sunday morning here in London, and this community of Kensington Unitarians is gathered. We're here to spend an hour or two together in each other's company. Through song and words and silence, we'll make space for something greater than ourselves to connect us, inspire us, guide us. Throughout July, our activities here at Essex Church are reflecting our ministry theme of identity. Ours is a community that encourages us to be who we truly are. Here, we are welcomed just as we are. No need to put on a mask or pretend to be someone you're not. Yet we also explore what it is to let go of labels, of fixed identities, to allow for a more fluid sense of who we might be. So let's take a moment, if you wish, to let go in our minds of who we are and allow ourselves instead an opportunity simply to be. Gently breathing in a sense of the whole of creation of which we are part. Breathing out with a sense of letting go of any roles, any labels, anything fixed. Enjoying instead perhaps a sense of expanding, of being part of something so much greater than us. Alive, with others, spending time in good companionship on this journey that is life. Around one million people gathered yesterday in central London for the 45th annual Pride March, a celebration of our LGBTQ plus communities. Some 50 Unitarians were there in the parade, looking suitably colorful and waving flags and handing out leaflets, offering people the opportunity to get married to who they wanted to be married to in our churches. I'm here wearing my Unitarian Celebrate Diversity shirt. And I'm really proud that our faith leaders were there carrying our banner, our General Assembly President and Chief Officer. This chalice flame reminds us of the light of freedom, reminds us that in many parts of the world it is still illegal to love who you love, and that to march in pride for one's sexual identity would be a crime. Let's not rest until all are free to love whoever and however they love the world over. Okay, we've got a bit of a, a story here. I wonder how long it'll take you to get the point of this story. Because they gave it away in the title. Oh, I don't know. The day God popped round. I wonder if there's any bit of this story that you could make relevant to your own life. There were one or two little, little uh, mm -mm -mm's that I thought of when I read this. So imagine an older man. This is already unfair. I don't know why they've picked on an older man. This is just just substitute any identity you wish for that bit. This person had everything they could look for. They had a nice little house, they had everything they wanted to eat, great view from the window, but even so, they weren't happy because though they never, or that, 
Although they'd seen most things in life, they'd never seen God. So one night they fell asleep, dreamed a dream, and in the dream there was an angel that said, look, look, your wish is going to come true. Tomorrow God will pop round for a visit. So they woke up the next morning so excited and did that thing. I don't know if you do this when you're having visitors coming round and you actually start the cleaning that you might have done weeks and weeks ago. You find dust in places you hadn't imagined. Shine the silver even, wash the dishes. And then sat down on the front doorstep and waited for God to come around. And then there was a figure in the street up ahead walking towards them. And their heart raced until they realised that it was only their neighbour wanting to come in for a chat. Uh, not today, friend. I'm busy waiting for a special visitor. And so the day wore on, it got to the afternoon. Again, they saw a figure approaching down the lane, leapt to their feet, and once again disappointed because it was only their daughter bringing one of her very sweet pies. She was sent away in quite a hurry, though they took the pie. <laughs> and the day trickled on into evening, and then in the gloom they saw another figure. At last, they shouted, jumping to their feet. And then their heart fell because they saw not God at all, but only the town drunk, weaving their way towards the house in hope of a last drink before going home. So they spoke quite sharply to the town drunk and sent them scurrying away into the darkness. A whole day gone, God had not appeared. In despair and fatigue, they went to bed and dreamed another dream. And in that dream, they saw the very same angel and they shouted, I thought you said God was coming here today. And the angel inspected their fingernails, as people sometimes do. Do you know what God asked me to tell you? They tried three times to visit you yesterday, but each time you sent them fast away. But do you know what? They might be back tomorrow. And that is the story of when God popped round. I wonder if you've been visited by divinity lately. And I think our young people's group are now leaving for their programme. We've got Nadia and Jen, and we'll see you later. And we're going to join in a time of prayer and reflection. So let us, let us pray. Even though we may stumble with the very idea of offering our thoughts to that which is unknown and nameless. So let us pray this day to all that is wise and true, both within us and beyond, that we might find that wisdom for ourselves and so align ourselves once more with that which leads to the highest good of all. And as today we speak of home in this service, let us first pray for all those who are homeless, or those who do not have a place of their own, nor safety, nor shelter. <coughs> let us pray for all those who live in fear within their homes, 
where violence and cruelty wield their power. Let us pray for all those who struggle to afford the homes in which they live and for whom rent or mortgage payments are a source of anxiety and distress. May help come for all those who suffer in these ways and may we play our part in assisting them. And we for whom a home is perhaps a place of pleasure and comfort, let's give thanks for the homes we enjoy. Let us appreciate all that they provide us. And not just in our homes, but in the very way we live our each and every day, may we practice the gracious arts of hospitality, welcoming the stranger as friend, allowing people to be themselves, accepting them as they are, recognizing the spark of God, the divine potential that lies within one and all. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, let's send our thoughts and prayers to the wounded places in those we know and in our wider world. And may we know ourselves to be one people, living on one planet, one community. And may that community find peace this day. Amen. Einstein said that the most important question is, is the universe a friendly place? Maybe we could add to that, are we? The more we find home in ourselves, the more we will be able to express it in our relationships with others, and the less we will need it expressed in our material surroundings. The more we express that self in the world and in the work that we do, the less we will need to compensate for feelings of inadequacy or alienation by, la by larger, more separate, more fashionable or even more beautiful homes, furniture and artefacts. The more we trust in our real selves, the more love and the less fear we will feel. A physical home will not need to be an escape, nor a refuge, but trust against a hostile world, but a shelter merely from the cold and wet, and an open-hearted place of true hospitality. The more we are at home in ourselves, the less we will feel the need to scapegoat others to project onto stigmatised groups of people our own fear of, in, of difference, our own lack of belonging. We will not need to shore up the borders of our soul 
our community or our country against the other. Because fear and borders will dissolve in loving acceptance of the oneness expressed in such rich and astounding, astonishing diversity. When we are truly at home, we will understand our place alongside fellow creatures on this planet, the deep mutuality of all life forms and the need to heal what we have wounded. We will better understand what we are continually given by other living beings and will have a wish to give something back. At the very least, to bring to consciousness the beauty and preciousness of creation. We will recognise with humility our place as tiny points in space and time in the universe and realise how much there is we do not understand. Home is not static. Home is the balance between security and freedom, of belonging and longing. Home is both an end and a beginning. Well, okay, this address is called Home and Its Absence. And since so many of you are travellers here today, it may have some particular resonance for you. Now, if you count a home as somewhere that you've lived for at least six months, then I reckon that for some people here today, counting how many homes you've lived in will be an easy task. Others of us would require a pen and paper to even begin to fathom it all out. Just how many places have you lived in, in your lives? I added mine up to 16, 16 different places that I've lived in for six months at a time or more. This address is called Home and Its Absence, and I wonder how many of us have experienced homelessness. Or have you had the feeling at times you know when you have got a place to lay your head, but it's not home, whatever home means to us. That might involve a London hotel. Is it bad this year or good? Is the hotel all right, Will? Where you're staying? <laughs> it's okay. So the number of places that, that we've lived is of course a reflection of how old we are, it's a reflection of the pattern of our work and our education. It reflects our family history. It reflects the changing world in which we live. It reflects politics and economics. And perhaps there's a bit of free will in there too. We have some choice, some of us. So we're living in London, some of us, a remarkably diverse city filled with people whose original homes probably cover most areas of the world. So I wonder how many, how far some of you have travelled to be here. Have we got any Londoners with us today? <laughs> some Londoners. There are a few. <laughs> uh, eight or so, I reckon. Um, so 
how many of us um, have come from other parts of England? Oh, yep, a few more, yes. Um, what about Scotland, Wales, or Northern Ireland? Or, or the, yes, a proud showing there. Um, other European countries? Smashing. Um, other continents? There's quite a few of you here today. And other planets? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Now the truth is out. You are very welcome. <laughs> And the sooner you sort our problems out for us, the better we will all be. So home is a word with multiple meanings. A place to lay your head at night. A place where you can perhaps be yourself. A place of self-expression, maybe. Jennifer Cavanagh's quote that we put on the front of the order of service today, I think, um, speaks to us. She reminds us that home is not just four walls or the country in which we were born. It's not a locked door, nor an investment, nor a legal address, nor a nation with rigid borders. Home, she says, is where the heart is. A yearning for a precious past, a dream maybe of something that has never been, or perhaps a present reality. In relationships, with our families, in communities, and with the whole of creation. Yet, she asks, can we ever be truly at home unless we are at home to ourselves? And that has a lot of meaning potentially in it, hasn't it? What does it mean to be at home to ourselves? For many people around the world, home now means a place they have to leave. A yearning for safety, for freedom, for economic possibility as people leave a place they may well love and journey to another land. A while back in our church newsletter, I wrote about a conversation I had with a young man working at a hand car wash. Normally, you get six gorgeous young men <laughs> flocking to clean your car for you. You don't have a conversation with them. But the car in front of me needed so much attention that only one person cleaned my car that day, and we started to talk. He came from Afghanistan, near Kandahar. When, when I told him how well he did his job, he shrugged and said that it was all he could do because he had no education. I told him that my education meant that I spent much of my day in front of a computer, and then I wished I'd not said it, because I had the car, the computer, and the choice, and he did not. He said that he missed Afghanistan, but sometimes we just have to leave the places we love. His name was Kasim. He was glad to be in England, he said, but it would never be home. And I hoped, as I left, that one day it might feel like home to his children. You've probably noticed, as the numbers of people attempting to migrate to other lands increases, we are witnessing a rise in nationalism. The love of one's own country, coupled with a somewhat unhealthy pride and sense of superiority. 
There's nothing wrong with being patriotic unless it's used and misused to inflame strong negative feelings towards others, towards foreigners, towards outsiders. The use of patriotism, encouraging young men particularly to meet their deaths in warfare, is surely a very chilling aspect of human nature and behaviour, I think. Do you think human beings will ever grow out of this kind of tribal behaviour? I'm not sure if some of us older ones will be around to see that golden day. But all the more important then that we cultivate the gracious art of hospitality, of welcoming people into our space, be that our home or our country. Hospitality is based on the idea that one day we might be the stranger in need of a kind welcome. Hospitality is an altruistic act. It reminds us to see the other in ourselves and ourselves in the other. Hospitality surely reminds us that we hold our possessions merely in trust. They are not ours. How arrogant we humans are to imagine we can own the earth itself. How greedy or fearful we are to divert rivers and put up borders. How strange we are to make a line on a map and say that certain people cannot cross that line because they don't have the correct bit of paper in their hands. I'm reminded of the work of Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers of um, uh, many revolutionary situations, a significant figure in the 18th century on both sides of the Atlantic. Thomas Paine who wrote, the world is my country, all mankind are my brethren, and to do good is my religion. He regarded himself as a citizen of the world, a concept which politicians to this day are describing as impossible. Yet surely that is what we all are. Ultimately, when lines on a map are blown away by the winds of time, no longer identified by our nation states, but by our shared human identity. One race, the human race, in which the fortunes of each life vary greatly. Vietnamese Buddhist teacher of meditation, Thich Nhat Hanh writes, in the end, the answer to the oft asked question, where do you live, is here, anywhere, where I am now. He goes on, your true home is in the here and now. It is not limited by time, space, nationality or race. Your true home is not an abstract idea. It is something you can touch and live in every moment. With mindfulness and concentration, you can find your true home in the full relaxation of your mind and your body in this present moment. No one can take it away from you. Other people, he writes, can occupy your country, they can even put you in prison, but they cannot take away your true home and your true freedom. So Thich Nhat Hanh is encouraging us to develop a sense of being at home within ourselves, whatever the outer circumstances we find ourselves in. 
For many of us, this is the development task of a lifetime, to build our inner sense of being at home, of self-acceptance, self-care, self-nourishment. Only then, perhaps, can we truly show hospitality to others. At the end of today's service, we're going to have another musical treat because Benji is going to sing a beautiful song from the Philippines called My Homeland. And I think you'll hear in that this oh-so-human uh, yearning for home, for belonging. So let's acknowledge the importance that national identity has for many of us and let's work tirelessly to build worldwide connections that transcend limitations of borders and boundaries. Travelling together, we kindred pilgrim souls on our planet Earth, our blue boat home. Amen. And so, in the week ahead, let us be hospitable people who welcome the travellers, the dispossessed, who share what we have and do what we can to help all those we meet along the way in this journey that is life, knowing that we do God's work when we offer the warmth of hospitality to another, in a smile, in a kindly gesture, in some practical assistance. And may this be so. Amen. Go well and blessed be.